Chapter 1 of Mission to Mars, Book 2 of The Last Diaspora by Mandy Gardner, published by Endless Inc. Aldi Miris floated there, as usual, wearing two pairs of thermals, impossibly thick socks, and a crocheted cap. Frowning, she brought chilly fingers to her mouth and exhaled into them forcefully. Guru! she shouted, her tone irritated. A vaguely robotic voice with a British accent answered politely. Yes, Aldi? Two more degrees of heating, please. Of course, Aldi, but that means I'll have to... Yes, yes, turn it down when I'm asleep, I know. Exactly. This is acceptable to you? The astronaut sighed hotly into her hands, nodding her head. Yes, Guru. Hurry, I'm freezing. A moment later, the low hiss of heated air broke through the air vent. Relief shone on Aldi's face as she carefully pressed her feet against a bulkhead and launched herself at the source of warmth. Grasping the edges of the vent with her numb fingers, she lifted her thighs to her chest and aimed her feet directly into the air vent where she left them. Ah, that's better. She hung this way with the ease that only a truly seasoned veteran of low and zero gravity expeditions could manage, wriggling her toes as the feeling returned to them. Aldi spoke to her computer companion in a friendlier tone this time. How much longer now, Guru? There are six minutes remaining until my scans are finished and processed. Would you like to play a game to pass the time? Aldi scrunched up her nose. Can I do that? If you are referring to the power-saving protocols, then yes. Games take almost no energy, as my vocal communications are already on. It's the heating that's the real problem. Aldi grumbled and Guru ignored her. Well, what kind of game then? Perhaps something to help strengthen your focus and prepare you for the upcoming tasks? Aldi looked annoyed. Are you suggesting that you have sufficient available power to play chess with me, but not to keep me from freezing to death? As I've explained before, Aldi, you are not going to freeze to death. 17 degrees is a perfectly acceptable ambient temperature for human beings. And yes, it would probably surprise you how little energy I need to beat you at chess. Shall we proceed with the exercises? Aldi rattled off a string of curses in the language of her mother, then sighed. Chess was a game she'd learned from Trinia, head of the Bokleban, back in Kikara. It was an embarrassing waste of time for the busy leader, as far as Aldi could tell at first, but it was a way for them to get to know each other. She knew better now that the games were a way for Trinia to observe her capacity for learning and long-term strategy before finding a role for her within the insurgent group. Still, the game held a modicum of charm and magic to someone who had experienced very little companionship in her previous incarnation as fortune teller in the pits of the ancestry cult. After a brief moment of silence, she relented. Yes, I will play with you. Excellent. The board is set up to begin. 
with both king pawns having advanced two squares ahead. Will you take white or black? The astronaut reached out towards her feet, grasping her shins so that her cold hands could benefit from some direct heat. I don't understand. You want to start in the middle of the game? She'd never understood any difference in white or black, except the player using the white pieces always made the first move. In this scenario, that one advantage had been twisted. The AI feigned laughter. It was a comical, but also slightly off-putting collection of tones that was somehow intended to convey human gaiety. Aldi breathed into her hands and coughed. You always take white and make the first move. You need to develop a different strategy. So, white or black? You may still make the first move, except that you have to play around the existing scenario. So? She thought about it. Well, it doesn't matter. How can I make a choice when there's no longer anything that sets apart one color from the other? You just have to. You have to or the game can never begin. Most people find they have a preference for one color over another. Aldi scowled. You know there's no difference to me. Then you must choose without any parameters except the knowledge that you wish to begin the game. There was silence for a long moment as she battled her own indignity at such a proposal. Then she said, white, just as she always did. Your move, Guru said simply. You know I don't move the king pawn first. You didn't. It was there, placed as part of an alternative starting point. You have to plan a different game than usual. Was there a hint of merriment in the voice? Well then, pawn F3. She folded her arms tightly against her chest and wriggled her toes, frustrated already with her lack of advantage against the AI. She knew that ultimately, the computer could crush any of her attempts to dominate the game, but usually Guru was happy to play at a low skill level for the purposes of Aldi's training. Pawn C6. Guru responded coolly. Aldi sighed again. You're ruining my formation. Aldi, it is not your opponent's job to help you win the game. Also, if you play the same strategy every time, your opponents will know how to beat you before you even begin. What is your move? She shook her head. I don't know. I don't know what to do. You're just mimicking my moves and now the whole advance is useless. You'll get through this mess before I figure out a different way. You know there are thousands of possibilities. Why not experiment and see what happens? A new strategy could reveal itself. Guru's words were cut off abruptly and replaced by a heart-stopping screeching sound. Underneath the terrifying whistle, the panicked voice of a stranger repeated a message over and over. Pamagite, Pamagite, ya vi su plama. Flishkom sarko, vitam? Pamayuska, poso itute. Vodashkia, atmosfera. The female voice grew shrill and small until, after several repetitions of her call for help, it disappeared altogether. Aldi listened hard, 
cold hand on her thumping chest. The voice didn't return, but an internal alarm sounded to signal the end of the computer's scans. Guru? The astronaut's echoing voice sounded bewildered. Who was that? Where did she go? I am unsure, Aldi. What do you mean? Can't you tell me where the audio came from? Guru's interface remained calm. The audio was briefly picked up as part of my environmental scan. I had not expected anyone to be in the vicinity, which suggests that one of your competitors has just attempted a landing on the surface of Mars. It was exactly as she had feared. Do you think she's going to make it? Nervous, Aldi's head emerged from the heating duct to better hear the AI's responses and any potential repetition of the emergency signal. Guru was not helpful. I do not know, she said simply. Perhaps we will find out in the days to come. The game was forgotten and no one spoke for a moment. Aldi's stomach tossed sickeningly at the thought of what might be happening a few thousand miles from the spot where her own space plane drifted above the red planet. Various spacecraft had orbited Mars simultaneously for months now. These were Aldi's silent rivals, one from a faction of ludicrously rich Earthlings grasping at the final tatters of planet-side capitalism, another from an independent explorer from the moon, also ridiculously wealthy, and a small ship whose inhabitants were a mystery. All parties were there, marking their intent to claim and colonize the Red Planet. These silent, ominous craft were the reason Aldi's own little ship had been using only minimum battery power all these months, playing dead as if running autonomously on survival mode instead of placing solar collectors to store surplus energy. The plan was to fool the other captains into believing she had perished inside her cold steel cage and needn't be considered a threat. Not that her retrofitted 21st century Phenom 300 space plane had much of a threatening look in it to begin with. None of the skeleton crews in orbit had enough resources to easily land on the planet above which they circled. All were present mostly to make sure the others didn't manage it either. There were other plans in action, of course mainly to place a satellite in Mars's orbit and attempt to lay claim to the planet as part of a corporate communications network. It was a silent and secret Cold War whose participants were all equally unprepared, no matter their importance or financial resources back on Earth. Astral navigation was a tricky and ancient art that had been lost to Earth long ago. At least that's what all these computer scans had let her believe. Apparently, judging by the emergency broadcast, someone in one of the little ships had pushed their capabilities to the limit by trying to breach Mars's thin atmosphere and land on the rocky surface far below. Would it pay off? Aldi held her breath as she listened carefully to the summary report of Guru's surveillance footage. These regular scans revealed supply drop-offs, potential landing parties, and other movement that may have been missed during the small space plane's 23-hour blackouts. 
only when the ship's most basic sensors reported that rival craft had entered conservation mode did astronaut Miris dare perform any electrical espionage. She'd spent longer than she could comprehend now, huddling in the dark and performing reviews, keen to outlast her slightly better prepared rivals out there. Little of note had taken place over the last months. Until now. The largest of the ships was in retreat, and the small craft had disappeared altogether. It's happening, Aldi whispered. The UL is gone. Guru interjected. The United League ship may be on a return course to Earth. I am checking its trajectory now. What about the other one, the little ship? The computer system from the small, unidentified ship has taken a disliking to me, I'm afraid. It has attempted repeatedly to attack me as I search for useful data. Aldi shrugged. To be expected, I'm sure. Are we safe? I believe so. I blocked its security reports, of course, but got little data of use. What I do know is there are currently only two ships in orbit, one of which is under your command. The astronaut shivered. It must be the small machine that entered the atmosphere. I wonder what happened. An automated beep from the console started her heart racing again. Guru? One moment, Aldi. A secondary report is coming through for you. She waited, breathless for a moment as the report spooled. The data confirmed earthward movement on the part of the larger of her neighboring craft. The entire ship had indeed moved out of orbit and was backing out of the standoff. The United League, remnants of a unified world government, was giving up. How was such immensely good news even possible? Bottomless resource bases on Earth had somehow failed to provide the necessary support the UL ship needed to complete its mission. It moved rapidly away from the Red Planet, but its silent onlooker couldn't help but find the speed sluggish. Aldi floated in silence, waiting until her ship and only the other one were encircling the Red Planet. After seven long months in orbit, not to mention the eight months it had taken to reach Mars from Earth, the relief was palpable. The UL was off her back. She didn't have to worry anymore about them forming an alliance with the Earthside Honor Guard, just to undermine the efforts of her own team. She wondered if Trinia and Bokleben even knew how lucky they'd just been. Guru familiar with her co-pilot's need for quiet self-reflection at times like these, did not speak for some time. When Aldi started to drift back into the heating duct, the AI took her cue. That's two remaining, including us, Aldi. Do you have any instructions for me? A squeal of laughter came back in answer, which the AI ignored. Yes, Guru, all kinds of instructions. First, connect with the solar collectors our neighbors left behind, then engage our own. I'm not afraid of whoever's left out there, so turn up the damn heating. She let out a long breath that felt like it had been held in for at least a year. Understood. Aldi lay back into the duct and stretched out her arms and legs, cackling with glee as hot air began blasting over her body and out into the rest of the little aircraft. 
she was one step closer to claiming Mars. Somehow. The waiting was over and a lot of people were depending on her not to die. Hey friends, that was chapter one from my second novel, which is part of the Last Diaspora collection, called Mission to Mars. I'm really proud of this release, and if you're looking for a unique way to support my show or my creativity in general, you could do me the great honor of hopping over to Endless Ink Publishing's site and buying yourself a brand new copy, either softcover or digital of Mission to Mars by Mandy Gardner. It would mean so, so much to me and the publisher, who's an independent, non-Amazon-affiliated entity. If you have any questions, just get in touch with me or Endless Inc., and we are super happy to help. Thanks for listening. Good day.